Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. So honored to have with us today the co-director of the film The Uncondemned, that's Michelle Mitchell, and it is a story of this group of lawyers and activists who decided that uh, that what happened in Rwanda, in addition to the, just the horror of the genocide itself, an opportunity to really put uh, the crime of rape on the docket for international tribunals, and it is a phenomenal story, and I can't wait to talk with Michelle about that. Michelle, welcome to film school. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm very excited to know that you're broadcasting out of Irvine because I'm an Orange County girl. I saw that you were were you born in Yorba Linda? It said uh, I saw. Yes, oh yeah, my I grew up in Yorba Linda. I went to Esperanza High School, and oh uh, so yeah, well, I feel like I'm at home talking well, to you. Well, welcome home, and uh, welcome to, uh, for a lot of wonderful work here um, with you and uh, Nick Lovell, who who co-directed this film, and. Let me say at the the outset, I, I I am sorry for your loss. Thank you so much. It's um, you know, it was the privilege of my life to work with him um, in every possible way, and also the fact that um, you know, he loved this film and loved uh, how important he felt the story was, and really a lot of care and thought went into how he shot it, um, the editing, and I know that he would be extremely gratified how the film is being received, and yeah. so it's a it's a pleasure for me and for his uh, his family, um, his sister, one of my dearest friends, to to read how the industry is receiving it. So that's that's wonderful. But more importantly, how the audiences are receiving it, yeah. you know, which has been terrific. Well, it's easy to understand why it is a basically a story that, for the most part, has been under the radar. I, I sort of try to keep abreast of things like this. And was not even aware of what was going on in this particular, uh, with this particular case. Case. Why don't we walk through it a little bit with our audience? Tell us a little bit about. I think everyone knows about the the, the genocide in Rwanda. If you don't, it's one of the most horrific, uh, moderate, certainly a modern day genocide. Happened in the in the mid mid nineties. I think ninety four, ninety five, if I'm not mistaken. Help help us out. So walk through this for us. All right. Well, let's actually, you know, let's take a, a, a more of like a thirty thousand with you for a second, because okay. um, if, you, if you didn't know about it, think about me. I researched the wrong case for six months. I, I mean, what I wanted to do originally was tell the story of the first time that rape was prosecuted as an international crime of war, because it, it's actually been listed as a crime of war, mm-hmm. um, co-signed by you know, nations around the world since 1919, but it was never prosecuted. Um, it was not prosecuted at Nuremberg. It was not prosecuted during the Tokyo Tribunal. So um, I actually thought that the first time it was prosecuted was at the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. Because in 1993, 1994, we started reading in, in the media about, um, about mass rape being used in the Balkans. Mm-hmm. Um, what wasn't covered so much was the use of rape in the Rwandan genocide, which happened in 1994. So when I set out to try to find um, what was the first case, I spent six months researching the wrong one, <laughs> which happened to be the Yugoslav Tribunal. 
And it was only a chance meeting with a human rights lawyer who said, oh, actually, the case you want to do is Akayesu. And I was like, what are you talking about? What is an Akayesu? And then she said, well, yes, there was an international tribunal for Rwanda. And I, I didn't even know that. And I, I think I'm a pretty up-to-date journalist, you know, so <laughs> it was a surprise to me as well. Yeah, well, I, I, that's you're you're mirroring my own life experience. I I knew there was some ramifications to, for the leaders of the people involved in the in it in the genocide in Rwanda, but I didn't know. I, I, you're right. I mean, all these things are, and I that sort of begs a bigger question, and maybe not right now in the interview, but I do want to talk a little bit about just how the world tends to not want to face these things head on, face these sort of situations, genocide. Certainly they have resisted confronting rape as as a war crime and just rape in general and violence against women in general. All of these <laughs> things tend to become sort of uh, almost, almost anecdotal in our description of these things. So but I want to go back to just sort of get us through this part of the part of the story. So you you finally you discover this particular uh, case and 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 you went into it. Tell me how you went from there to begin the process of documenting it for this film. Yeah, the um, so the first thing I we, we did, of course, is I, I spoke to Pierre Prosper. He's the lead prosecutor in this case, and when he when he took that, when he got it, he was 31 years old and had been a deputy DA in the hardcore gang unit in Los Angeles. So I spoke with him in January of 2013, and I remember at the conclusion of that first conversation, um, Nick really wanted to go off and work uh, on narratives. That was that was his real love. And I turned to him and I said, I think you might want to stick around. I think this is going to be pretty good. And then as I started to find all of the other players, um, you know, the co-counsel, the activists, the um, investigators, and, uh, you know, on and on and on, I found everybody in fairly rapid succession. It was almost like a story that was waiting to be found and mm. people were waiting to talk. And then when I found um, the witnesses themselves and how willing they were to step forward and be on camera, it was just, uh, it, it was so evident that not only did we have on our hands a really uh, powerful story about how to right a terrible wrong, but we also had on our hands uh, a story that was that was ready to be told. It was, it was kind of this, um, a great moment of, uh, you know, good versus evil. Um, and in 1997, you know, after all these horrible things that happened, humanity got it right. And, and what a great story it is to be able to tell about how courage and perseverance and just doing your job and everyday heroism can change the world. Yeah. Yeah. And was there, from your description, it sounds like the witnesses, the, the women who, were, who, who testified at this trial... Were there, was there any reticence on their part to step forward and be a part of the film, or was that something that they were ready to do? They were absolutely ready to do it. Um, there was, there was kind of, they were so surprised. To a person, actually, everyone who's in the film is very surprised to get a phone call <laughs> from, from filmmakers saying, hey, um, we're looking at doing this story, because this is a story that all it had been consigned to legal journals and law books and mm-hmm. um and maybe it was a story that they told their grandchildren. Um, but the, these women were really excited when I, when I first talked to them. And I want to also point out that at no point have I ever, even from that first moment um, of meeting them until now, I have never asked them what happened to them during the genocide. I've never asked them what they endured. Um, we know that they 
that they were raped because they testified. But I had no intention of putting that story on camera ever. Um, what the first question that I asked them when I first met them in August of 2013 was, what made you decide to testify? And that's a really strong point to start from because it immediately gives a sense of what kind of story we're trying to tell. We're not trying to uh, do disaster porn here where we recount the worst moments of somebody's life. That's, that's not the point. It's like, okay, we all know rape is bad. We know rape and war is bad. Um, that's the no-duff factor. What do we do about it? You know, we're, right now, as you started to point out, we have headlines and stories all around the world of mass rape being used in conflict. Terrible stories. ISIS, Boko Haram, you know, South Sudan. I could go on and on. It's in every region, committed by every religion. I mean, it, there's, there's no white hat, so to speak, here, you know. Um, what can we do about it is what most people say. And the answer is, guess what? There is something we can do about it. A precedent was set in 1997. We get to build on that now. It is possible to tackle the worst that people can do to one another and have some accountability. Yeah, and I want to I want to sort of flip the the uh, how you put that about uh, rape and war. You have a quote at the beginning of the film that was attributed to Genghis Khan, essentially saying that this is this is a part of of conquering and and war is rape. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find. Well, the it's the exception to the rule that rape is not involved mm -hmm. in military conquering conquering of of other lands and other people so i it is so it is so in plain sight and you're right i mean for whatever reason the 1919 accord that that codified rape as an international war crime is is almost i mean it's i don't say it's a miracle but it's certainly something that would be that would have it it flies in the face of, of so much history that it actually became an international crime that it's uh, that it's a uh, pretty stunning to even you know sort of to, to to acknowledge that in that way, but uh, um, let's go. Okay, so the let's talk about the the mayor, the man who, in some mm -hmm. ways, has yes. come to embody what we're talking about here and what you're talking about in the Unco the uncondemned. And by the way, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Michelle Mitchell, and she's the co-director of the film The Uncondemned. It's opening this week, and I want to make sure I get you're at the uh, the Lemley Royal. This week. Yes, in Santa Monica. In, in fact, San that's where I am right now. I'm, I'm not at the theater right now, but I'm in Santa Monica because we are opening tonight, as a matter of fact. So we're very excited. Um, and we're going to have some exciting talkbacks happening um, not only this weekend, but through our run this week. We've got, you know, we, we crowdfunded this film. We have over 7,000 donors, and we have a lot of exciting partners who are involved in the issue in the space. Um, and many of those experts will be on hand to talk about what, what, you, what we can do about this, um, this crime that's happening. I also want to point out, one is, before we start talking about Jean Bacquet himself, one very interesting thing about the decision is that, um, that the court had, not only, of course, is it the first conviction for rape as a crime against humanity and a crime of genocide, but it took gender out of the equation. And this is so important, Mike, because the myth that this only happens to women in conflict is exactly that, a myth. Um, this happens to women, it happens to children, and it happens to men. And if you think it's difficult for a woman to report this, which it is, um, under any circumstances, um, it's, it's at least as difficult, if not more difficult, for a man to come forward. 
And I think that that shows that what happens with rape and conflict is stripped down to what it truly is. It's an act of deadly intent. It is meant to humiliate. It is meant to establish dominance and power. And it is meant as a form of torture. And because we're not having a realistic discussion about this, this is why we actually are, have not been able to tackle it. And pivoting very quickly, you know I have to address, no pun intended, the elephant in the room here, mm-hmm. which is what we're experiencing with Donald Trump, with a Republican presidential yeah. candidate, out on the campaign trail, and how he's talking about this, not about rape and conflict, but about sexual assault in general. And what you're watching right now, no matter what your ideology is, right. listen to how he chooses his words, because he's threatening women um, who come forward. And what he's giving you is a master class in why women do not report. Yeah. And when you see it happening at that level, imagine how these militias around the world are watching this. And I want you to think about that for a second, because what they are hearing is a potential United States president giving them a free pass yeah. to commit these atrocities. That's how their minds work. Yeah. And it's really important to keep all of this in the context. I thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing up in the context of today and uh, and all the different ramifications of rape in a war, but also the the atmosphere, the air that we breathe, essentially, in so many societies and so many different parts of the world, including our own country. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, and you've got a great lineup all week. You're you're there Monday. You're there Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with different people talking about this issue. Certainly about the film itself. What a fantastic uh, opportunity for people to go to the Limley Royal and see this film. That's in Santa Monica, if I'm not mistaken, right there off of Santa Monica Boulevard. Please check this out. Go to the film. So in the few minutes, uh, we really are. I'm so sorry. We're running a little bit. Late, uh, <laughs> uh, that, but I, I want to get to essentially, uh, the, really the, the the man who sort of embodies this. Uh, sure, this, John Paul yeah. So you know what's interesting about him, Mike, is that when people talk about, we, we again, let's go back to this idea that these mass atrocities get committed, and you think, oh my God, what kind of a horrible monster does that? And of course, we automatically think of you know Hitler, Goebbels, Milosevic, the big bad guys out there, but. Mm-hmm. Genocide, in order to happen, in order for mass rape to happen as well, it, it's not the it's not the big guy that actually um, is the motive is the motivator here. It's mm-hmm. actually the guy in the middle, the middleman who has some form of power where he could stop the atrocities from occurring, but he goes along with it because it's politically expedient. And that's it, it's uh, the great you know Hannah Arendt quote of the banality of evil. Mm-hmm. And for me anyway, John Paul Akiyasu. That's what he embodies. He is far scarier than anything I've ever seen in a, in a real horror movie, you know, because this is how these things happen. It's the guy who decides that it's better for his political future to go along with the worst that people can do to one another. Yeah, yeah. But luckily and, now he's in jail. And now he, <laughs> but now he's in jail. And, and, and we have just yeah. we haven't even barely scratched the surface of this film. And I want to let people know that in addition to being a, a sort of this great primer on what happens and, and all the circumstances, but there are so many people in this film that you just want to embrace and, and say thank you to. Yeah. There's so many. And they're, they're sort of in this little cluster of people, like the prosecutors, the people who went in to see this happen, the women, uh, Lisa Pruitt, who I think needs to be acknowledged because it's such a touching. And you, you, you end the film with her. And I just think, oh, my God, so many things about this yeah. film are so 
what a reveal, right? I mean, the Lisa Pruitt reveal is one of my favorite. I have done thousands of stories in my life as a broadcast journalist and as a writer, and this story, The Uncondemned, is the, not only hands down the best story I've ever had. Yeah. Lisa Pruitt, that was one of the biggest, like, what the heck just happened <laughs> moments, you know? So, yeah. And it just really, you know, what? One of the things that Nick and I really wanted to do with this film is that we didn't want people to go, oh, my God, I'm so depressed. We wanted people to walk out going, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. You know? And you know, I think hopefully people like yourself and other, um, and other viewers feel um, the art of the possible after you see this. Um, you know, it, like I said earlier, it is possible to change the world by doing your job. It is possible to have a, an, an incredible effect on history, and maybe you don't even know it, you know, for a little while. And, um, and it really, it, it, it should make you feel good. There are a lot of good people out there doing good things, and in this continual battle of good versus evil, um, you know, it's, it's nice that we have a happy ending, right? I, I, I mean, I'm not giving a spoiler here, uh, folks. I promise you will have, there are plenty of surprises that Mike and I have not revealed in this conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I just yes, I, I I want people to go see this film because it is uplifting, and you I think you're absolutely right to to characterize it that way. Uh, it I I mean you're going to cry when you watch this thing just because of what happened to these people, uh, and and the circumstances and all of it. But when you see the women uh, who testified, there's so much about it that is uplifting and and worth seeing, and it's worth it to go to the theater to see this film. Uh, it is. It's a remarkable film, and I am so happy and honored that you were able to find time to join us today. It's Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. The film is um, the Uncondemned. Please see this film. Um, and Michelle, thank you. And and again, uh, Nick and you did a remarkable work here. It's a fantastic film. Thank you so much. I really, uh, on behalf of the entire team, as you know, takes a team to put together a film, and on behalf of my team, I. I heartily accept this. <laughs> I accept yeah. your congratulations. You're, you are, you are well-deserved. Thank you so much, Michelle. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.